Welcome to Paranormal Underground Radio. Join us each week as we delve into some of life's most complex questions. It's time to explore the unexplained with your hosts, Karen Frazier and Rick Hale. Everybody, welcome to Paranormal Underground Radio. Uh, we had a little late start, and then I'm sitting there waiting for Rick to do his usual Thursday night thing, only to realize that Rick is not here tonight because sitting in with me in place of Rick is Chucky G. Hey, Chuck. Oh, yeah. Hey, oh, Karen. Yeah. Oh, Chucky yeah. G. I'm done trying to come up with new nicknames for you. That didn't wasn't very successful last week, was it? No, it was not, Karen. I'm I'm very sorry, Chuck. I am not a clown. Well, you did like Nunchuck, though. I did like the Nunchuck one. That was kind of yes. cool. Yes, yes. That was cool and tough, though. That wasn't like, you know. Chuckles the Clown. Like red nosy, big feet kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, so we're very sorry that we got a little bit of a late start. Okay, we're very sorry that we got a lot of a late start tonight. We're having some technical difficulties, but Cheryl, the wonderful Cheryl, our dauntless producer, got it all figured out. Wouldn't it have been awkward, though, if I just sat there at the top of the show and waited for Rick to do the introduction? That would have been funny. <laughs> I almost did it. Been, it would have been quiet and I said, well, hello, this is Paranormal Radio with Chucky e. G. And oh, I know. Chris well, Chris. you know, I'm a little brain fried. <laughs> I've, had a, I've had quite the week, so... You know, I'm I'm still just not quite all all there this week. It's been there's been a lot going on, but we have a good guest coming on, um, yeah. and we're just going to let him. He's going to be calling in live in a few minutes, so yeah. we're just we're not going to take a break because we just took a ten minute one at the top of the show. Yes, we did. That's right. So tonight yeah. we're going to be talking to Jay Verberg of Ghost Mine, and um, Jay's a cool guy. You, he's been on your show. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to come back next month, too, hopefully. Hey, I've got Jay on the line. Hey! Hey! Oh, hey. I was scrambling to try and get online on my uh, messaging, because, oh, yeah, I could hear everything you guys were saying. Oh! <laughs> you know, this is we just say anything bad. Things. We didn't say anything bad. This is the way no, things no, go no. for us, Jay. <laughs> it's just the way. So we had a lovely introduction plan, but here you are, guys. It's everybody's favorite greenhorn, Jay Verberg. Everybody, yeah, hey! It's, it's, it's oh, well, thank you. I don't mean to steal that away from Jamal. Jeez. <laughs> oh, well, from 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 what a little birdie told me, Jamal is a lovely person, but not so good of a cook. Yeah, that is absolutely true. Poor guy. And, and you know what? Now that it's publicized that, uh, you know, globally, he's never going to live it down either. In fact, that's probably the number one uh, question I get is, is Jamal really that bad a cook? <laughs> and, and yeah, he, he's pretty bad. Oh, that's hilarious. So, so I have to ask you before we, you know, start doing like this interviewing process and stuff. Yeah. What did, what'd you think of our little museum? Oh, gosh, it was awesome. Yeah? Wait, yeah, Jay, on, Jay wait, and... Okay. Jay well, and... Now, which museum are you talking about? The Lewis County Historical Museum. That's what I thought, but I was looking at the area called Blonde Way. I haven't been to Southern California yet. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, the, the museum up there is awesome. I loved it. In fact, yeah. uh, from what I understand, there was uh, uh, apparently uh, Tom, I think his name was, some sort of uh, spirit roaming the... Uh, 
the uh, upper catwalk area that was very interesting to me, but I was walking around with a rifle and, and trying to act tough, so that might have caused a problem. No, you know, I think he really dug you. I, I think it was the hat and the mustache and the whole the whole look that you've got going on. So I think he, he had, I really felt like he had kind of the alpha male interest in you. But yeah. what was so funny is every time, every time you tried to get him to communicate with you, he wouldn't. But as soon as you'd go away, he'd communicate with somebody else. Yeah, I know. In fact, in fact uh, I think it was Michael White who has an EVP of... Uh, some sort of pan or something actually being moved off of a shelf after I left. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It happened. I wasn't there okay. either. And then the other one was Andy. Uh, as soon as you walked out of there, Andy walked back and he, like, full body apparated for Andy. So there you go. Yeah, yeah, I heard about that. And I've actually heard some EVPs that have happened at that location and seen the video of the uh, Star Trek beaming up uh, effect of whatever was going on in the hallway. Yeah, uh, and they were amazing. In fact, to hear, uh, uh, you know, for you others who who maybe haven't heard these, they had EVPs of people up in the attic who were looking through drawers of all this uh, catalog uh, artifacts, jewelry, guns, clothing, everything, all this historical memorabilia. And uh, some ladies were trying on some earrings. They weren't even conducting an EVP, just kind of talking to each other, and they were putting on the earrings. And you hear two clear voices say. Uh, put that down. Put that down. Yeah, uh, that I was. I couldn't believe how clear that was. Those were. That was a very good EVP. We were really excited about that one. We were. We were happy that we got that. You know, it's always nice when you get that kind of evidence. Um, yeah, makes you feel good. Yeah. All right, so <laughs> Jay, let's let's talk about you. Enough about Lewis County. Oh gosh, okay. So. Well, here's what I think is really interesting about you. is So you went from, you started, you were a computer guy, right? Yeah. And so I'm, you went from... I'm basically back to the computers for now. Okay, but you went from computer guy to greenhorn miner. Now, tell me, did, did gold miner come first or did TV show come first? You know what, it was actually the idea, actually what came first is alcoholism. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh, I decided I was going to do it. You know, I gave up drinking, and I I was really in a spot in my life where I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I don't know if I want to do this for the rest of my life. And um, one of the, my family's big pastimes was going from ghost town to ghost town, just kind of learning some of the history and exploring. And I'd been to something before. And so when somebody said, hey, yeah, uh, you know, I know this guy. He, he's got a mine. He says he's looking for a couple greenhorns. Uh, he's out in Sumter, and when I kind of put all that together, I just said, oh, I'll do it, and uh, he said, really? And I said, yeah, so I went and met, and, and it all worked out, and the next thing you know, there's there's a TV show and ghosts and all you freaks who want to talk to me about weird stuff all the time, and uh, <laughs> I, I absolutely love it, but it was actually the history that really prompted me, the history, uh, the Old West history about out in Sumter that got me really interested in wanting to do it. Yeah, yeah, you're a big history guy, and, and yeah, I don't know. I won't. I won't say I'm a smart history guy, but uh, uh, I love uh, learning and researching history. Yeah, and and the mine out there, and the whole just the Sumter area has some pretty amazing history. And and I've told you this before, but one of the things that I really liked about um, Ghost Mine is that it did that in-depth historical, and it wasn't just a scratch the surface, be in a single place for you know, uh, 
60-minute episode and move on, it gave viewers the chance to really understand the history of the location and how a haunting can really tie into that history. Oh, absolutely. In fact, that was one of the big things that I really enjoyed about it. I'd watched a few of the uh, you know Ghost Hunters and Ghost Adventures in the past prior to doing this, um, but uh, one of the things I really appreciated after I saw our show on TV is I thought, you know what, it's kind of cool because not only can they go back and investigate a place over an extended period of time, but you can really dig into the history and look at how many different avenues it went down. It went through uh, the Masons, it went through the Chinese uh, Massacre, um, and there's so many other areas that it didn't even travel down. Um, and, but, and the interesting thing is all of these things could have nothing to do with what's going on up there, and we have no idea. But... Uh, it's really cool to be able to piece that together, and it's a show where you can, for the first time, sit back and watch the people that have to work and live and interact with what's going on on a regular basis. All too often you see, uh, you know, the interview, uh, the reveal, and then they move on to another location. But here, uh, so many people said, man, you guys felt like family, and I think that's just because you got to see how we dealt with the issues we had to deal with, how we communicated with our families. Yeah. I got a question for Jay. Hey, Jay, this yeah. is Chuck from Into Dark Radio. How you doing? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Hey, I got a question for you. So, uh, because you went on the show and you, you know it was the mining and and the and the paranormal, before all this happened, yeah. um, were you what were your, what were your thoughts on the paranormal before you got in, involved in the TV show and stuff? I mean, did you did you have any interest in it at all, or I mean, or was it just because uh, of how you got thrown into the show? You know what, it's actually uh, interesting. I've always been a believer. Um, uh, I'm not a big religious guy. I'm a very spiritual guy. Um, but I, I always believed in ghosts or something uh, beyond our reach. Um, when I was younger, I actually wanted to be a parapsychologist thanks to uh, poltergeist. When I saw the guys come in with their little gizmos and devices, I was like, oh, my gosh, people can do that for a living? <laughs> and I decided, yeah, that would be really cool. So there was probably a two, three year period of time where I wanted to do that. And then uh, I realized, no, I probably want a job where I could make money. Mm -hmm. uh, I still haven't found that job yet, by the way. And, yeah. um, and uh, so, you know, as I got older, I just kind of left that behind. I, I enjoyed ghost books when I was younger, and I enjoyed the books that talked about uh, real-life um, uh, happenings and, and events that had actually happened more than just ghost stories. So, uh, and not to mention, I've had a few experiences, uh, one of my bigger ones about the age of 14. Um, and, and so, but I just kind of let that go as I got older, got on with life. Uh, you know, I had a wife and kids and a job, and that's how life went from here on after. And it wasn't until I got up there and started um, being involved with it that I realized, oh, my gosh, this is actually kind of cool because, I can get to participate in this a little bit and understand what's going on. Mm -hmm. Then after the show, I have people who are offering me the opportunity to uh, go on investigations with them or who just want to sit and talk about some ideas about the paranormal. And so it's really kind of spun into this whole realm of, uh, of uh, it's become, you know, more of a pastime, so to speak, now to sit here and be able to, uh, think about these things and experiment and work on ideas that I maybe otherwise wouldn't have had. Yeah, you're living the dream, man. <laughs> uh, 
Living the dream with like the that. rest of us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, so um, I have a couple of questions in chat. Let me see if I can yeah. get back up, up to them because people keep chatting and the questions scroll off my screen, believe it or not. Okay, so JoJo wants to know if anyone ever tried to get back into the mine after the collapse, which was at the end of season two, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, and my understanding is uh, uh, Larry, the mine owner, actually opened it up and cleared it out. I don't know. I haven't seen anything up there. I have no idea what's going on with it. Okay. Uh, we didn't, uh, but uh, I'm not sure. All right. But of All course, right. now and that there's no season three, who knows if we'll ever uh, get back up there. Yeah, I know. Well, and that's a bummer because it, it I, the questions didn't get answered, I don't think. So yeah. it seems like there should be a season three so that there can be some answers. But, you know... I just hate it when things yeah. are left hanging like that. Okay, and, and the so the Greenhorn, I still had a whole lot more. I had a whole bunch of more mining to learn too. I got a, I got a whole lot more to learn, and I, I did actually. I fell in love with the mining aspect of it. So um, you want to continue? I mean, do you want to continue doing that? You know what? I've thought about that several times. One of my major concerns right now is these miners. You know, you look at uh, Bucket and Dingus, Eddie, Mikey. Those guys—they're just the toughest guys. Uh, and they don't put up with any crap. And I have a feeling, I, I was hoping for at least a couple more years of experience behind my belt. Um, but I have a feeling if I went out and applied for any sort of mining job, I would probably get, uh, you know, the, uh, I don't want to swear on your radio show, but I'd get the crap end of the, <laughs> I'd get the shit end of the deal. There you I walked go. in there and, and, and started, uh, you know, mining with some of these guys and they said, Oh, hey, look, it's Hollywood. Let's see what he's got. Uh, they would probably ride me pretty hard. They would never let it go. And uh, I'm not so sure I'm ready to deal with that yet. But I, sure. I absolutely uh, would love to go back and do more uh, work with the guys back underground. Yeah. So JoJo also wants to know if you've kept in touch with the guys from the show. And if so, how is... Mingus? His name was Mingus? Dingus, yeah. Dingus, that's you know what, what I, I thought. I, I didn't think Mingus was quite right. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, and hi, Jojo, by the way. Uh, you know what? I have. I haven't talked to Dingus recently. Uh, I've, I've texted with Bucket uh, about a month ago. Uh, I actually got back from Arizona about three, four weeks ago uh, with a friend, and I actually spent the uh, afternoon, uh, morning and afternoon with Stan and his wife. Um, I'm actually driving out tomorrow to head down to Cottage Grove, Oregon, uh, to spend the, uh, the weekend at the, um, uh, uh, I forgot what it's called now, but there's a big, uh, yearly event down in Cottage Grove and I'm going to see Dick and Duck and his and their families there. Uh, I see Jamal and Patrick all the time. Kristen, I got to see her around Christmas time before she, uh, ended up leaving town again. But we really do try and stay in communication with everybody. Living the dream, I'm telling you. So and you know what? It really has that. That's the true blessing of this whole thing. Is I have the show may never come back. We I might never get to work with these guys again. But I have two years of some of the most amazing memories and have made some of the greatest friendships from this whole thing. And we really have become kind of an extended family. And we do oh, stay in touch. That's fantastic. That's great. And I have a question. As as far as the show goes, in the, in the second uh, the second season, right before the mine yeah. uh, collapsed and stuff like that, you guys are working um, a different tunnel 
and you come to that brick walls and things were happening like you were really starting to notice that things were happening what what exactly was you could kind of tell like were you hearing things were you sensing things you know what i'm talking about there was that wall and you guys were thinking about breaking it down right before the end of yeah. the second season and you know what stinks is i never even saw the wall um i got up there I, we had the wooden bulkhead but the other guys saw the wall mm-hmm. um but what stinks is uh when you put this much time between uh, what was going on in the mine uh, to where I am now, you really start questioning everything you experienced, everything you dealt with. Was it really a, you know, I really do question how much your mind takes over and distorts things. Because when you say, did you mm-hmm. feel anything? Well, gosh, you kind of feel anything every time you walked in there. But was I yeah. really feeling anything or just amped up and, and freaked out? So I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, because, you know, the, but you I, know what? Go ahead. And as far as I'm concerned, you know, the one place I always tell people, if you're going out, if you're anywhere out in the area, go visit the uh, Sumter Bed and Breakfast. Uh, that place, uh, I'm convinced, has some activity going on. My son and wife uh, both experienced something there. Mm-hmm. I've become friends with a couple uh, groups up here in Portland. And, in fact, I'm going back in September to help with an investigation and some classes up there at the Bed and Breakfast. Wow. Oh. But, uh is that yeah, Ben's or is that Ben's or Williams or somebody else's? Uh, it's with uh, Ben and Casey. I'm going to be going up with them, and they're going to be doing a, a weekend class. Yeah. And they actually have the guests staying in the uh, bed and breakfast. Is and that full? They've got a whole bunch of know? Sunday classes still available. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know <laughs> if it's full or not, but you could definitely. So how do people find out about that, Jay? I mean, and, and register for that. Do you know? You know what? There's a, on Facebook. There's a second annual uh, haunted Sumter uh, event that uh, you can just Facebook search that. I don't have that in front of me, so I'm not sure the exact uh, URL for it. Okay. Um, but anybody's welcome on my Facebook page, or um, you know, to ask questions, and we'll direct you to the right spot. Perfect. Perfect. So Elaine texted me. Yes. A question for you. Uh, would your dream job have something to do with the paranormal? Oh, you know what? That's tough. And uh, it's funny because I've questioned now that I've been kind of uh, gone into this whole realm of TV, paranormal, mining, chaos. What would I do if there was going to be another show? And what would I like to do? And I think what I would ultimately like to do I've gotten so far into the paranormal stuff now in my on my in my spare time, but I would somehow like to keep that incorporated. But I would really love the dream job to be where I'm actually doing more uh, historical relevance. Um, you know, with my passion for ghost towns and the Western history. Yeah. There's so many fascinating things out there, and um, while they tie in at points the history and uh, the ghost investigating. It's really cool because this is, gives me the opportunity to kind of uh, fool uh, uh, kids into uh, getting history lessons while we learn about some of the hauntings that are going on on location. But yeah. the, uh, the history, while, while it may have nothing to do with what's going on, is truly fascinating to learn. And the Western history we have here is literally fading away in front of us. We've got towns where thousands and thousands of people live. And there's literally no remains whatsoever. You would never know you were standing in the middle of a town. And, you know, you look at European history, and uh, they've got thousands of years of, of uh, artifacts and buildings and, and remains that are still there. 
Uh, I just kind of want to experience everything I can now here in the West before it's gone. Yeah, definitely. And you seem to have an affinity um, for for Western things. Like I know you mentioned that you're interested in um, railroads, and when we were we were doing the panel at the Oregon Ghost Conference, and you said, "Yeah, well, I don't know if anybody ever investigates, you know, old train locations, but that seems to be an interest of yours." Yeah, yeah. Well, and there again, I think it ties into the old uh, Western history. And one of the things that's actually kind of fascinating uh, about it is uh, when you look at the Western expansion and when people were coming out from the Oregon Trail and, and for the California Gold Rush, America, that was when people were coming out here and they were literally uh, exploring for where they were going to have to set up homesteads, where they were going to have to build towns. They were exploring. Um, this was uncharted territory, especially up there in the Pacific Northwest. They weren't even on the maps yet. Um, nowadays, you know, we know how tall mountains are. We've got GPS signals everywhere. We've got Google Earth and maps and, and everything. It tells us where everything is. Sure, there are forests and, and places that someone may not have been, but it's just truly fascinating to think that they were going into uncharted territories. And that was back when the government was handing out free land just to get people out there to expand. Right. Well, and there are so many, so many little ghost towns in Washington State and in Oregon and in California. I don't, I, I don't think people realize how many little, because a lot of them aren't like the ghost towns that you see in the movies where there's the old buildings and stuff, but you can find the foundations and you can see where the roads were and, and those, towns are interesting too oh yeah in fact washington is one of the areas i really want to explore i've been into so many places all over oregon but i want to start investigating some of the old uh you get back up into the hills and and you never know what you'll come across people have told me uh locations where they've got old mills that are still standing or old buildings and uh you know i actually heard once that oregon had the most ghost towns and i'm not so sure i'd buy that Really? Um, especially when you look at Nevada and, uh, you know, Arizona's kind of rough, but, um, even Idaho had a lot of mining. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd heard that before that Oregon had the most number of ghost towns. Uh, I'd like to see how those numbers, uh, came up, but there's so many to see and I got to see them all before I die, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're going to be a busy guy who has time for a job if that's what you're doing, right? Really? I know. I, I, if I could just figure out a way to become independently wealthy, uh, I would share all of this with the world all the time. You know, if I figure out a way, I will let you know. But so far, not so much. Do, please. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, <laughs> we, unfortunately, that's, that's sort of one of the, um, not downsides, but it's one of the things that with paranormal investigation is it takes a lot of time, it costs a lot of money, and we still have to work. <laughs> It's, it's like we it's have a second like job. What's that? Yeah, it's like golf and fishing. Same it thing. is a lot. Yeah, very much so. Except that I think golf might be more expensive than paranormal investigation. Well, yeah, that's probably true. No, I think oh, golf yeah. is more expensive because you have to pay greens fees every time you golf. And, you know, you have to get the new equipment every year. And there's always something new to help you with your game. So, yeah, golf's pretty yeah, expensive. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. 
Yeah, definitely. Well, you have done, uh, you have really grown in the last couple of years. I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, I know that this is something you've been interested for a long time, but I feel like you were in the right place at the right time um, with the ghost line thing to absolutely be able to make these fantastic connections that you've made. And you, you know, you are so excited about the paranormal. And you're talking to so many people who have so many great ideas. And um, how lucky are you that 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 worked out that way? Oh, I'm I'm so fortunate. Uh, It it is all right place, right time, right circumstances. Um, uh, I'm just like anybody else, you know. I get up in the morning, go to work, uh, live the same life, and deal with the same taxes and and kids and the whole day. Um, But I just (laughs) happened to get involved with something where I could actually utilize some of my passions with the history and all that. And then all of a sudden, it's led me down this whole other path. Unfortunately, I have to walk two paths at the same time to make sure I can still pay the bills and everything. But uh, it's been absolutely amazing. And and being able to share it. thats If I can't share this with, with anybody, then it's all... Uh, you know, for nothing. So all I really want to do is be able to share stories with people, find locations and share the discoveries because that's what makes the history of it so fascinating. So were you ex- were you surprised at the response that you got from the paranormal community? How many people wanted to talk to you and talk to you about ghosts and that type of thing? Oh, absolutely. And especially because I wasn't, uh, you know, I wasn't one of the investigators. Here I am a guy who's always complaining or having to deal with the crap going on, I thought, you know, no one's really going to want to talk to me about this stuff. Uh, very surprised to find out, yes, people did want to hear what I had to say and did have questions and did want to know. Um, it is kind of cool to see online that uh, the show had a very definitive split in its viewers. You had those that wanted to see the mining, and then you had those that wanted to see the paranormal. Um, and, then you know, you did have the, the, the group that did want to see both, but uh, it was the two different... Uh, storylines that really brought yeah. the viewers in. And so, yeah. uh, and I thought for sure, oh yeah, the paranormal is going to be the least for me. No one's really going to want to care what I have to say. And then, of course, as I get involved with this and I start coming up with my own concepts and my own ideas, which only to find out later someone else has thought of them first, damn it. But, <laughs> well, uh, of course. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I start getting to uh, dive into a lot of Einstein's theories and I start getting to learn about energy and and all these sort of things, um, and people actually do want to hear some of the concepts and ideas and how it relates. And what's important is that if we all just listen to each other, um, you know, maybe not accept or wholeheartedly agree, but listen to each other and uh, work what we can into our own models to divide or to divide the uh, the theories that we have on investigating these things. It's so crucial because. We all have our ideas and our theories, and we're only going to come to find out that we're all freaking wrong in the end anyway. So <laughs> in the meantime, let's just learn from each other, share what we have, and, and uh, you know, just see what we can find. Yeah. So, so I have a question. So what's your, what's your, what are your theories on the paranormal? Like, you know, what my are... theories on the paranormal, um, as far as, you know, diving in uh, or starting in with the, uh, a lot of the Einstein theories, I actually read a big article today about why Einstein's theories are crap as it comes to ghost hunting, but we'll save that for a whole other discussion. Okay. But the whole E equals MC squared, and, and energy equals mass, 
shifts in its strength. Uh, energy can become mass, and mass can become energy. Uh, mm-hmm. When we die, uh, there was the uh, doctor who actually did the experiment where he was weighing uh, people at the time of death. Oh, the weight of the soul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, the weight of the human soul and yeah. 21 grams. And, you know, all the paranormal investigators uh, or most know about that story. Um, and that really fascinates me. And I, I truly believe that as uh, in a world of energy that we live in, uh, yeah. when we die, our vessel, which is our human physical body, which holds uh, a metaphorical drop of energy, when we die, that drop is released back into a global pool. Um, and now, not to post off all the religious uh, folks out there, but then when a new life is created, that drop has to be extracted to create a new life. Mm-hmm. And when that new drop is extracted from a global pool, you can never again capture that same drop that was put out there. So mm-hmm. for the first time, you start getting... Uh, uh, it, it starts to make sense when you deal with things like past life experiences or uh, people who have a certain connection um, because they were part of that shared energy uh, of someone else's or, or who knows how many infinite number of energies they're sharing with. Right. So that's kind of the theory that I've kind of gone with and, and some of the things. And again, I'm trying to apply human logic to it all and, and, and what works in my mind. Um, yeah. So again, I'm, I'm, well, I'm only going to come to find out I'm completely wrong in that too. Yeah, well, I think that I think that human logic sometimes when you're looking at the paranormal doesn't work at all. I mean, you're trying to no, put exactly. in a box. You're putting trying to put something into a box that doesn't. They can't be in a box, you know. I mean, you can be as smart as Einstein or whatever, but I think some of it's just unexplainable because we're we're all looking. You know, they're looking at it the wrong way. They're trying to to trying to gauge it and 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 use uh, certain things to uh, get answers for it that really don't even work with what we're dealing with. I mean, well, we're using, the, yeah. we're using the wrong yardstick is what we're yeah, doing. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, you look at the tools that we're using, the EMF, uh, the K2s, all these cameras with different sensors, all of these things are, are working on a on a waveform on this on this uh, magnetic, uh, magnetic energy wavelength that reads a specific section of that wavelength. And mm-hmm. all of these tools are reading at different sections of that wavelength and how often... Uh, are we just missing things that are slipping right on by and so much more of this wavelength that we aren't even paying attention to or right. don't have the ability or the understanding to even uh, monitor. True. Yeah. But, you know, you got to start somewhere, too. I mean, it's just like when they made the yeah, wheel square, you know what I mean? And you got to you start yeah. somewhere and you start figuring, oh, well, this little bit works here, this little bit works here, this doesn't have to throw that out. You know, it's just kind of like a, uh, a building, you know, from uh, like a ladder from yeah. the bottom, you know, so... And that's also See, why it's so important to have as many tools as possible, because mm-hmm. if you can get a confirmation of a reading on on multiple devices that can somehow uh, back each other up, that something has happened that you can't uh, explain or, um, you know, then it becomes a possible clue as to something actually happening around you. Mm-hmm. That's true. And with the with the theory you're talking about, you know, the pools of energy and all that kind of stuff, um, where do you think... Where do you think EVPs fit in that? Where do you think um, in- intelligent responsing back and forth fits in? You know, like if we're going to a, if we go to a pool and then and, and then when someone else is born, then that that drop you know is pulled out into to, to create or to have that soul for that new person. In the meantime, how are we getting you know how are we getting these audio intelligent audio responses and how are we able to talk to people from past lives and such? And and yeah, therein lies one of the big. Uh uh, the big spots that I've really been trying to process and understand, 
and apply logic to again, uh, which isn't going to work, but I'm going to try to do it anyway. <laughs> um, but uh, one of the things that, that truly fascinates me with the whole energy concept is understanding how energy can be contained, how it can be trapped. I want to understand if um, energy is somehow contained against uh, its will, so to speak, mm-hmm. or if if something moves on and has the ability to contain its energy in a location to keep from entering that global pool of energy. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you talk about tormented souls and people who had things they had to say before they died. Uh, right. Could they somehow um, contain their energy in a way uh, to keep them from moving on? There's mm-hmm. also the idea that, you know, uh, everything around us is, or, or that when we, we move on, it, we just move on up to the next layer, similar to, uh, you know, like an onion skin. Um, yeah. And if that happens, do we have the ability to cross back over um, mm-hmm. and at least communicate on another side? Uh, I don't know. I, and I want to understand that. In fact, it's funny, anybody who's seen me talk at one of the conventions, I always get up and I make fun of the uh, the people who collect all the rocks and the quartz and all that. Mm-hmm. Um I, I used to always make fun of them and call them the, they were the biggest freaks ever. And then, of course, once I got up and uh, started mining and started learning about the paranormal, and then I started to learn about the quartz, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden I started researching and find out about uh, piezoelectricity yeah. and how quartz, when uh, you know pressure is applied, it can actually emit energy, and when energy is applied, yeah. it will expand and contract. And then right. I start going, oh, my gosh, you know what, all these... These real weirdo rock freaks were totally right. <laughs> there is some all this stuff. The weirdo rock freaks, I like that. That yeah. would be that would be me. I'm a weirdo rock freak. I know. Freak. I made. You know, I think you were the one I made fun of at the ghost conference here in Oregon. Wasn't mm-hmm. Oregon. I think you might have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yay. And, and of course, I can. I, I, I can say that. Me. What's that? I said, yet I had you on the show anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. But no, I, I can say that comfortably because I'm now one of those freaks who has all sorts of little rock collections in my pocket and yeah. at home and on my desk all over the place. <laughs> well, that's it. You know, eventually, eventually we find our own, don't we? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, you, you couldn't have made too much fun because I also believe that you were already a rock freak at, at the ghost conference, weren't you? Well, I don't know. Every now and then I'd see a cool little rock, a little piece of floor art that I thought uh, was kind of see. But, uh, yeah. When <laughs> well, I was a kid, know, I actually collected rocks. I but, did, too. Uh, yeah, I did, too. I know. They were so pretty. Either, oh, yeah, and I had all these little weird rocks that uh, no one's ever heard of and Look at that, and, Jay. You, tur- uh, you turned on your own kind. How can you do that? Don't I know. You? I know. I was born to be one of them rock freaks. <laughs> you know, life gets in the way. You have all these things that you're all excited about when you're a kid, and then your 20s happen, and you, you all of a sudden realize you're in the real world, and you have to, like, do things. Like, make I money. know. Have responsibilities yeah. and stuff. And, yeah. and it, it takes, you know, a good 10, 15 years before you realize that you can go back to those things you liked when you were a kid, too. Exactly, which is, again, why I'm so fortunate, because how many grown-ups get to say, oh, yeah, let's go to a conference and talk about paranormal activity and have people actually want to sit and listen to you without committing you somewhere? I know, I know, and people do. They sit and listen, and you get to say what you think and what's on your mind, and it's very cool. I know. It's amazing, Uh, though. Yeah, there again. What's that? I was going to say, it's amazing how many people have stories, too, you know. 
Oh yeah, every, you know? every, every, and here's the thing: I don't necessarily. I've got a couple stories when I was younger, but um, I'm really looking for the story. I'm looking for the event that truly uh, rocks my world and makes me question everything I thought mm. I knew what I was doing. Uh, of course, when that happens, I'm going to freak out. I'll probably cry <laughs> a little bit, mm-hmm. and then. Um, and then six months down the, down the road, I'll find every excuse in the book as to why it probably wasn't as scary as I thought it was, only to be right back where I am now. So who knows? That's exactly. I did that there for you years. Go. Jay, I, I did that for years where I, I would know. wait for that thing and it would happen. I mean, and it would be like something magical, like a freaking full-bodied apparition appearing in front of me, you know. Uh-huh. And I'd be like, "Oh!" And and for about six months, I'd be like, "Oh my God, that was so cool." And six months later, I'd be back to, "Well, who knows? I'm not so sure. I could have. It could have been the yeah. play of the light, or it could have been this, or it could have been that." But you know, I think I've either the period between me getting back to this place has gotten a lot longer, or I think I finally had enough of those experiences. That I've gotten past it. Oh well, good. Then there's there's hope for me yet. So there, there is hope the, for you the, yet. The interesting thing is, I actually uh, uh, I do have one piece of uh, you know I don't want to call it evidence, but I have something captured on audio. It was with some friends and I down in uh, uh, California. We were in an old mine, and we were looking up this uh, uh, looking up at the rays, and there was a rope going up, and obviously some kids or someone had been up there and climbing and I'm messing with the rope and everyone was just kind of staring up there and I had my little GoPro running and um, I remember looking up there and I grabbed the rope and I said man I want to get up there that looks pretty freaky and I stopped and I said everybody listen do you hear that and everybody kind of stopped and nobody heard anything so I just kind of said oh it must have been just me well this friend goes and posts his video online and people start commenting I could hear that I could hear that and uh, everybody who listens to it can actually hear what sounds like a little child responding mm. to me when I said, man, it looks really freaky up there. And you hear it say, no, it's not. And, uh, uh, wow, cool. And so that's, that's technically uh, the only piece of information that I've actually captured. But I do find it interesting that I captured it when I wasn't investigating. We were just having a, a regular conversation discussing yep. things. I will tell you that happens a lot, Mm -hmm. and that's why even though you then have to run and listen to hours of audio, that's why I keep a recorder running, is because for years, most of the evidence that I've gotten isn't in a formal EVP session or isn't in a formal evidence collecting session. It's when I'm standing there just having a conversation, and that's when they want to join in. That's so true. Yeah. That's, be- that's because the because you're being a human being, you know. Because you just and they can relate to that, you know, or they can remember that. And they're like, I want to be part of this, you know. Like I remember this. So, I mean, yeah. Because because as an investigator, when I first started, we we're always you know running around trying to get into everything, you know. Da, 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 da. And and as as we got more, as I did more and more and more and more, but I fi- I figured out every time I sit back and I just like Karen says, just let all the stuff running. That's when you get like the best stuff ever. Yeah. All of a sudden, they're like, yeah. boom, they're just there. They just come, and they, they you know, because you're not in their face. You're just kind of like, hey, you know, come on. If you want to be part of it, that's fine. If not, whatever. And then they, they want to come and check out what you're doing. So you just you only have the one piece of evidence ever that you've captured? That I've ever captured, yeah, as far as I know. Wow. And I've gone through and listened to a lot of the recordings I've made and things like that. Yeah. Um, and so there was a, uh, a period of time where I questioned whether I might be some sort of deterrent 
uh, and we'll have to wait and see on that one. But um, it, it's interesting because I think it was Ben and, and Casey, uh, and Michael White, that we were all sitting around talking about this and, and how, if you think about it in, in a human realm, when you're in a group and everybody's talking and you focus attention on them, a third party and try and welcome that person in, hey, come over here, come hang out, come talk. There's kind mm-hmm. of a sense of apprehension. Oh, I'm not so sure I feel comfortable in this. But if you're just standing there talking and uh, it gives them an opportunity to let themselves in comfortably and at their own level of comfort. So it's not a, yeah. uh, you know, yeah, definitely. get out here now. We want your name. Who are you? What's going on? I, well, found joking, I found joking around works, too, sometimes. Yeah, definitely. Yes. When you're being yeah. goofy, yeah, they, they like when I'm being goofy. Well, so. I don't think that you're um, I, a cooler is what we call it on our team. I don't think you're somebody that, that stops that because um, even though um, Ben forgot to turn his cameras on, <laughs> they were still pointed at you. <laughs> and I was bad. watching. And when you were standing in that Native American room, it would have been great if Ben's cameras had a bit on because you would have been able to see this. But there were lights like flashing on the wall behind you yes. in that window, windowless yeah. red room. So That's I don't think you're I would cooler. Like to have seen that. Well, you'll uh, have to take that up with Ben. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And that's okay. And it's funny. My, I remember the first investigation I did with Casey, and I always give him a hard time about this. Is where I, it was the first private residence I'd ever investigated, and, and the, the feeling of walking into someone's home. There's such a level of um, uh, uh, responsibility going in yes. to do something like that that I remember yes. how tense I was and stressed. And Casey had these little uh, meters that he'd set up on the on the staircase, and it you know when static or you touch it, it would beep or go off and we were sitting up in another room and we kept hearing the thing go off and i'm freaking out now going oh my gosh can't believe this there's something in here and uh it turns out it was uh casey left his phone on and it was picking up his phone from uh text messages <laughs> and whatnot i was so mad because i thought oh no way this is finally it. Oh, uh, even know. the most experienced people oh, do yeah. stuff like that. I mean, you know, sometimes we just do boneheaded things, and you just want to kick yourself because it's always when a full-body apparition appears and walks up to you and starts talking to you that you don't have your yeah. recorder or your camera. <laughs> yeah, and of course, and now I've got the problem where everything I hear or see or my first thought is, okay, what the heck's doing it? Why is it happening now? What's going on? And if I have to hear one more orb story, I'm going to freak out. You know, I oh, want to see yeah. something. I want something to come out and grab me. Unfortunately, when that happens, like I said, it's going to freak me out and I'll cry. <laughs> yeah. Well, but well, see, here's a... Go I was going to say, as long as Ben has his cameras running, then we can see you crying. It'll be fine, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Here's, yeah. The, here's the thing you have to do, <laughs> and here's the thing that I've learned, is that when you're in that investigation mode and you're overthinking yeah. it and you're you're thinking okay what's this going to happen how could this happen and what could this be and and you're thinking about all of that you take yourself out of the moment and i think we miss a lot of really important things happening right in front of us because we're so in our head so what i suggest oh, to yeah. people is that you let yourself just go with the moment and that you don't oh, try yeah. to analyze it and then later you sit down and you think it through and you analyze it. But in the moment, I think we distract ourselves with our monitors and our our meters and everything else. And we, we stop doing the most important thing we can do on investigation, which is just pay attention. Well yeah, said, Karen. Absolutely. Well said. Well, and Thanks, you know, I've said this before. I, I honestly believe that the uh, 
Uh, we've got all this equipment that we use, again, the EMF detectors and the K2 meters and all these things, but I, I believe that the single greatest instrument we have is our own physical self. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the same time, it's also the most flawed system yeah. because, it, uh, you know, we're dealing with human interpretation and yes. perception. Yes. Mm-hmm. But that's why you don't interpret it. You just experience yeah. it. And then you bring the interpretation in later, but in the moment you experience it. And if that means you have to what, dictate what you're experiencing into a recorder so you don't forget or something, that's okay because all you're doing is talking. But the mm-hmm. second that yeah. you click that critical, and, and trust me, I'm all for critical thinking, and I'm especially all for critical thinking when something supposedly paranormal happens. But I'm yeah. for critical thinking after the fact, not while it's happening. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, you know what? That's a good point I want to bring up, too. As uh, I mentioned earlier, I was walking around up at the museum with a rifle. Yeah. I actually did that. Uh, I, I'm not one of those guys who's going to go up and antagonize and threaten. No, that was that. my fault. I um, told you to. Yeah, I know, and, and that's it's... okay. But, no, I actually had fun because I could grab the rifle, and I, I just went up to Michael, and I said, hey, Michael, Hey, listen, the train's coming through. What do you say we get on? We see what we can grab if the tail's <laughs> coming through. You know, just kind of offhandedly talk and yeah. not investigate. But, uh, no, that, that was actually a lot of fun. And, and I'm headed back up there uh, for William. He's got a class going up there at some point. Yeah, I'll be there. So, mm-hmm. It's it's coming up in okay. a couple of weeks, I think. So. Well, I'll be there, too, and I'll go have a talk with Tom again. Well, did William tell you? So so I told this story on the air because I just thought it was so funny. But Jay was trying so hard to engage this guy, Tom, who's this cowboy. And we've had a lot of experiences with Tom in this museum. He poked me in the butt with a gun once. I mean, you know, he's, he's, he's very active. And even yeah. the night that Jay was there, he was very active, just not for Jay. <laughs> so I had told William this, and William was here maybe a couple days later because he texted you a picture of him at the museum. Um, yeah, but he he was there just a couple days later, and he and I walked in the back to to see Tom. And I mean, he was very present. I could tell. I could feel him. I I know what Tom feels like, and of course, so does William. And um, yeah, and he was. William actually said something about him messing with Jay, and he was just screwing with you. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Doggone it. So if you come back, he'll, <laughs> no. probably, he'll probably screw with you again. But that's good. Know, That'll be good it. for everybody else in the class, see? Oh, there you go. I'll, I'll just go ahead and do the guinea pig. We'll go ahead and rope yeah, me up there and, and <laughs> strap me down and see what happens. You're the green one in the class, too, huh? One of the things that these guys did that was so funny and when they were at the museum is that um, – there was this exhibit of a store, and there's a lot of activity surrounding this exhibit of the general store. And I don't know who was sitting in there first. It might have been you, Jay. Or, or did you walk by and somebody moved in there? I can't remember, but a couple of times it happened, because we were watching you on the cameras, is that somebody would be sitting in this little store, and somebody would be walking by and would move. The person in the store yeah. would move. And, mm-hmm. and grown men would be like... <gasps> <laughs> No matter no matter how how brave you think you are, no matter how willing you are to sit there and tough it out and, uh-huh. and get to the bottom of things, the yep. second something moves, your nerves are just on end. <laughs> <laughs> well, and what was so funny is so Jake's coming out with the gun over his shoulder, and he runs across Andy, who's the museum director and also a member mm-hmm. of our team, South Sound Paranormal. And Jay says something to Andy like, well, don't let Tom give you any trouble, and if he does... 
if he does, I'll be back there, and I'll come back, and I'll take care of it. And Andy does, you know, the macho guy thing. Oh, no, I'll be fine. And Andy goes walking back there by himself, and about 30 seconds later, he knocks on the door where we are and says, can somebody come back there with me, please? Because <laughs> he saw the full-bodied apparition. <laughs> it all changes. Uh, it was very amusing. We were really having a good time just sitting and watching all the crap you guys were doing up there. It was very amusing, I must say. Yeah, and for those that uh, maybe don't know, uh, this museum was uh, the old train station up there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, is it Chehalis? Yeah, it's in Chehalis. Uh-huh. Yeah, and uh, I mean, it's just an amazing old uh, train depot. Um, really amazing, but what's really cool is the historical artifacts all up in the attic. I mean, they've got everything yeah. you could ever imagine, everything. And so to be able to walk around there and, and just uh, be a part of all that, uh, I'll tell you what, and I know there are plenty of ghost hunters out there that have uh, made this claim, but if, if I die, I'm definitely going to hang out in a place like that. Oh, yeah. I'll do my damnedest to make sure I can freak out anybody who's up there thinking they're going to attack. Totally, totally. You could be just like oh, Tom. Yeah. You can bulk somebody oh, in the butt with your gun. That's right. Well, and I, we're hoping that you guys will come up to Wellington with us, too, because that's where you need to come for the, the train and the ghost town and the, you know, it's, um, you know I, was, I was actually going to bring you a copy of my book when we investigated with you, and of course I just forgot because that's how, uh, I, that's how I roll. <laughs> well, I will, be in, I will be up at the museum uh, in Chehalis in September. I think when you guys were going up, uh, uh, to Wellington, I'm actually going to be in Utah, I believe. It is Utah well, or Sumter, I'm, I'm not sure. We have, I, the end of of, in, we have until the end of October. Of, oh, we do? Okay. Well, then I'm there. i got yeah. nothing going on in October. Yeah, we just need to figure out when it works for you, and we'll get you guys all up there, and we'll have a good time. That is, that is truly, since I've been doing this, that is truly one of the locations I've been dying to go to. Oh, well, there you go. Okay, so Cheryl needs to play a station identification, I understand. Absolutely. All right. Hi, this is Hazy, and you're listening to the Hazy Radio Network. That was it. We didn't need the views expressed part, Cheryl? Guess not. The views expressed and the opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Hazy Radio Network, its affiliates, or sponsors. All shows are independently owned and broadcast for entertainment purposes only. There, perfect. There now, we go. And you know now, what? Go ahead. I think I think we should do everything we possibly can to make sure that our views are accepted and uh, agreed upon by the radio network every time we do interviews like this. Um, that's going to be hard work. I, I, I know, would rather not. Something I- well, you know, so we have, we've been, this is our, we've been on the air for like about four years now. And yeah. both of the networks we've been on have had only one rule, just one rule. And that rule is, I mean, other than playing the station identifications, that one rule yeah. is no F-bombs. It oh, is. Good. And so, and of course, except unless you're Zach Bagans and he, he drops them all the time and so there was nothing we could do. So we yeah. upheld that rule so long, and I was certain that Rick was going to be the one to drop the first F-bomb, and it was me. And it was you. <laughs> it was me. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, see, this is important things I should know before I go out on radio, because I've been on a couple of people's shows where they were like, oh, you can say whatever you want, 
And uh, it's gotten kind of out of hand. I try and keep it to a minimal, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> in so, fact, that's that's what sci-fi should do: is release the videotapes, the uh, behind-the-scenes videotapes of watching these miners interact with each other. Of course, it would have to be on some, uh, you know, after-hours pay-per-view special because it's uh, yeah, they've got the foulest language, and it's awesome. I was married to a sailor, you know, I. I <laughs> I sort of talk like a sailor myself sometimes. I, I've worked on it, but you know, I have a I have teenage son, and you know how they talk. So yeah, yeah. So are the miners really as superstitious as they made them appear on the show? You know, the uh, it's interesting when you look at the history that goes behind all this, and and so many of the superstitions that just kind of keep up in it. So much of it goes along the lines of, you know, uh, breaking a mirror, walking under a ladder. I still don't walk under ladders, even though I don't believe, uh, you know, that anything bad is going to happen. But it just kind of mm-hmm. sticks with you. And when you work in an industry like that where, uh, you know, there's so many hazards and dangers, uh, I can see how it would be easy to just adopt those. Uh, th- Heck, I have. You know, if I hear something odd going on now, my first thought is, oh, you know what, pay attention to what's going on and, and maybe we need to come back later. But, um, you know, uh, uh, Dick and Duck, those guys, uh, they're the true old-time miners. Those guys uh, were amazing. Um, in fact, I'm learning about the history of my first response when they said, yeah, you've got Kristen, this uh, redhead coming up to the mine. I'm going, hey, I don't see a problem with that. It looks good to me. Uh, you know, where's the, where's the commotion coming from? But then to find out that the reason women was, uh, or were bad luck, was when you look at the history of, uh, of women coming to mines, and just like in the old days when you had the ships, the women would come to collect the dead, their uh, dead husband, their dead brother, oh. son, father. And so all of a sudden it makes sense why women are bad luck. Okay. Um, yeah, it does. So it, it, it's really fascinating to learn the history behind a lot of these superstitions. And, you know, you just kind of pick them up and carry on with them. Well, one of the ones that fascinates me is Tommy Knockers. Yeah. What's the yeah, what's the genesis of that? You know what? I actually haven't done a whole lot of research into the whole uh, Tommy Knocker myths and 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 where that's come from. Patrick is really the the one who did a lot of time studying that. But um, it's it's very much like a a, a, a gremlin or a leprechaun or, or something along those lines. But the 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 meaning behind the uh, Tommy Knocker is more the fact that if you respect it, if you respect it, uh, the mind where you're working, um, it will help you. And as soon as you disrespect or don't listen or don't pay attention, that's when, you know, it takes its revenge and you end up getting slapped by a big boulder or something falling in on you. Huh. Okay. Yeah, that would be bad. Giant boulders falling Well, the, the superstitions, urban legends, things like that really fascinate me. And so with something like Tommy Knockers, because it sounds like part superstition and part nature spirit and yeah. part urban legend. And, yeah. and so it's right in my wheelhouse because it's, I mean, it's just, <laughs> and, and so when, so do the miners really believe that when they hear that knocking sound that that's what that is and they get out? You know what the older guys would, the younger guys, not so much. Um, it's it's really odd to see the uh, juxtaposition between the old-time miners and the younger tramp miners. Um, in fact, even just coming from the different states, they really spent a lot of time talking about mining and learning the different techniques that they had just between Arizona and Oregon. 
mm-hmm. different types of uh, rock that you're working with, things like that. But, um, you know, the younger guys, they're so, they're used to dealing with big management and getting a big job done. Uh, your pay is based on how much rock you can either bring out or how much drift you can uh, get back into, um, you know, hazard uh, or, or making sure nobody gets hurt on a job, those sort of things. Yeah. Um, I don't know what it was like in the old days. They obviously didn't have the uh, the equipment. In fact, I don't know if you saw the, the photo I posted on my Facebook showing the old time miners and how they actually did it all by hand. And yeah. Those guys were just amazing. Yeah. So here's the big question: Do you believe Uh-oh. that the crescent mine is? Do you believe <laughs> that the crescent mine is haunted? That is a tricky question because while I believe there's a lot of energy and I believe that there's things that inhabit a lot of the places up there, I don't necessarily want to say that I think it's haunted. Okay. And that goes a lot back to when I say when you put this much time between being in a location and having time to think about it, I start questioning everything I did experience. Yeah. Uh, in fact, one of the, the, the most terrifying experiences I continually had on a daily basis was my headlamp reflecting off of the water on the ground. Your mm. lamp, when you would look down, it would reflect off the water. <laughs> that could mess like with your head, can up. it? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I can't tell you how many times I froze in my tracks because I thought I saw something jump up in front of me. I've had and, that exact uh, same experience, <laughs> so I understand. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, something's going on. I have no idea what it is. I I would really like to uh, – well, I had the opportunity to meet with uh, Gregory Noakes, who was a gentleman who wrote the book on the Chinese Massacre. That's fascinating to me, oh. uh, knowing the history and, yeah. of course, all the Chinese. Uh, a lot of the Chinese that were out there came from actually uh, digging the train tunnels. And I said, yes. man, these Chinese are good at digging tunnels. Why don't we put them up here mining for us? Um, and some of the tragedies that happened with them mm-hmm. are just so amazing. Uh, I went to so many different towns out there, and they talked about the, the local legends of uh, the Chinese being buried in, in mines and so they wouldn't have to be paid and things like that, and it's just terrible. Well, but, and what's so amazing about it, and, and in my, um, there's a big tie-in in, in my research into railroad history, and of course yours into the mining history, is when you start to really dig, what you realize is how much history is covered up by the people who don't want people to know about it. Whether it's oh, yeah, the, the railroads or the mine companies or whatever it is, so many of these atrocities that were committed in the main name of making a buck have been oh, yeah. really covered, hidden by history. And, yeah, especially when you have a, a, a class of people like the, the Chinese, where they were considered mm-hmm. lower class. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, they were they were considered lower than low. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the history just stops right there. Nobody talks about it from beyond that point. As time goes on and people start to realize their own ignorance, they just kind of push it aside and choose not to recognize it so they don't have to deal with it. Yeah, and then that stuff gets lost until somebody comes along and really looks into it. And then people are shocked all over again. Well, how could this have happened and we don't know about it? Well, think of the things that we've uncovered. How many more are out there that are just hidden that that have just been lost that we don't know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In fact, those uh, at the, the site of the Chinese massacre, uh, they don't have all the names of the uh, individuals who had actually perished out there. So mm-hmm. it's just lost to time. 
Yeah, well, and that's the same thing that happened at Wellington, is that they can't tell you how many people died in that avalanche because a bunch of them were undocumented immigrant laborers from Italy and possibly Japan and Russia and places like that, and they just don't know. They just don't know how many died. And there are six people that are buried in unmarked graves from the Wellington avalanche because they couldn't identify them. They didn't know what to do, so they just said, okay, well... Yeah. Yep, and and that was that was how, you know, p- people were treated if they were. You're right; they were considered less than human. A lot of them. Yeah, and, and that's that's an, you brought up an interesting fact when you talk about you know Italians and Germans and Dutch, and you look at all these different cultures that were out here. Um, mm-hmm. When you look at some of these old cemeteries from a lot of the uh, pioneer cemeteries all over the states. Um, the one thing that I always am fascinated by is they always put where they were born and to yeah. see the number of countries and, uh, yeah. you know, you see a lot of Ohio, you see a lot of Missouri, places like that, but there's so many countries represented on these graves out here from people coming out west, um, you know, they were from everywhere and everybody was here to make, uh, to hit it big and, and yeah. Yeah. find their dreams. Well, and you know that's a really fascinating pastime, actually. If you can, if you can find one, is not the ghost part because I don't think you should ghost hunt in se- cemeteries. But that's just me. But walking yeah. through, walking through these cemeteries, I love cemeteries because of the history mm-hmm. that you can read on those headstones. They're amazing. Oh, I've I've uh, I've been to some towns out in Oregon here where I've run across people who came. Um, over with Applegate, or with Meeks, or the, uh, the famous trails leading out uh, on the Oregon mm-hmm. Trail. Um, yeah. I've uh, located a couple graves. In fact, uh, another friend and I happened to find a grave in the middle of the woods, in the middle of nowhere. Uh, it was marked on a forestry map that it, there was a grave, but it wasn't a cemetery. And um, when we found this location, uh, there was uh, the, the infant son, who was less than a month old, its wooden headstone was still there underneath the tree, and this uh, and the father died a year later. And this was back in 1913, and it's just in the middle of nowhere. And uh, so I'm in the middle of doing a little bit of research. Uh, I've got some of the family names, I believe, and I want to get in touch with them to see if they even realize they have family that's buried up there. Wow, it's amazing the stuff you can find just sort of wandering through a cemetery. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and and the stories, in fact, that's when I decided uh, when I die, I'm going to get a headstone, and it's going to say, Jay Verberg, effing wow. And that way people are going to go, oh, my gosh, who's this guy? I got There must be something important here. And then they're going to, you know, whatever they're Googling in those days, they're going to go, oh, he was just some dude on sci-fi. He was nobody. So you were mentioning the Haunted Hotspots class. You're going to be up here in Lewis County for it's on Saturday, August 9th, um, from yes. 5.30 to 8.30. And you can actually register for that if you're listening and you want to uh, attend that very good class from William Becker. Uh, it's on paranormalinsights.net. And it, it's uh, Lewis County History Museum is a great little haunted hotspot. He's also doing one in Sumter. Oh, no, it's done. I think Never he mind. just finished he the just one in did Sumter. It. Yeah, but he's also doing one in, in Port Gamble in September. Yes, and I will, uh, I will be at that one as well. Oh, very good. And then, and then um, yeah, i got to get my ghost training in, dang it. Yeah. And then, of course, <laughs> you... uh, Ben and Casey have their event uh, in, in Sumter coming up in September. 
Um, and they're on Facebook at uh, Second Annual Haunted Sumter uh, event. Yeah. I, I think you should also have a collecting rock seminar. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Which so, rocks are the prettiest? Yeah. Uh, prettiest rocks go. don't always yep. have the most energy, but we're going to find out. <laughs> there you go. Well, I have lots of rocks I could bring to that. There you, you go. Do, and I want a copy of your book. I want to read your book. Yeah, I will. When you come up here in a couple weeks, I'll bring you one. I'll make sure I Definitely, have one yeah. for you. I just, I actually have two of them, and I'll uh, two two different books that feature Wellington, and I'll bring them both to you, and uh, okay, we'll be good perfect. to go with that. So, Jay, we have come to yeah. what we here on Paranormal Underground Radio like to refer to as Shameless Self Promotion Corner. Oh, it's, it's pretty much what it sounds like. Are you, do you have okay. any events coming up? What do you want to promote? Oh gosh, you know what? I have um, I have an event in Sumter. I don't even know, I have the actual name yet. I, I, I'd ask for the website, but I'm doing a charity event um, out in Utah uh, this September. Uh, you just have to check my Facebook, uh, which is uh, I believe it's Jave Verberg Fan Page. Uh, see, I don't even know what my own URLs are. That's how bad I am. <laughs> but uh, get on Facebook, search for Jay Verberg. Um, and uh, any of these events that I plan on going to, I'll post on there. Of course, any of the events that they're welcoming uh, other people into. Uh, this weekend, if anybody is in Oregon, definitely head down to Cottage Grove, Oregon, for the Bohemian Mining Days um, uh, event that they have down there. Uh, Dick and Duck, myself, uh, last I heard, Patrick was possibly trying to get down there. And I even heard rumors of someone else who might possibly show up in town, but I'm not going to release any names. Okay. Uh, but uh, it should be that should be a fun event. So there's going to be a big Pioneer uh, Miners breakfast uh, up at the mines, and then Jamal's all sorts of stuff cooking, going on right? all weekend. <laughs> that? Jamal's not no, cooking. Jamal, right? Yeah, Jamal is not cooking. In fact, okay. uh, he was supposed to be going. I don't know if he's going to make it, but uh, well, dodged a bullet there. I know. So but I'm all over Twitter. I'm all over Facebook. I'm all over Instagram. I can't keep track of them all, but you can find me in Maltry. There you go. All right. So, yes. Jay, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I hope you'll come back again. And I guess I'll see you no, in a couple yeah. weeks, huh? <laughs> yep. Yeah, I'll see you in a couple weeks. And thank you so much for having me on. It was an absolute uh, uh, pleasure. And I can't thank you enough. Thanks, all right. Jay. Good night, Jay. All right. Thanks, guys. Uh-huh. Night. All right, guys. There you go. That was Jay Verberg of Ghost Mine, and also just all around general good ghost guy. He, yes. you know, I he I think it does him a disservice to just say that's Jay Verberg of Ghost Mine because he's been doing a lot with a, um, a lot of really great people in the area, and um, he's getting some pretty serious paranormal creds under his belt. So I feel like I need to move up by you guys because all the cool stuff's happening out there. And you I'm over you here really should. Mm-hmm. You could, you know, our our upstairs bedroom in September is going to be available. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. There you go. Right. So, I know. I, I like to get out there and meet Ben and hang out with all you guys. I think that would be a blast. Yeah, that's right. Ben, Ben of the magnificent facial hair. I have yes, to tell yes. you though, when I when I hang out with Ben mm-hmm. and Jay and Michael White and Casey Goodwin. Mm-hmm. I always feel a little inadequate because they all have such fabulous facial hair. <laughs> and then there's me. And then there's you. Yeah. But just but you're special in your own right, Karen. Well, and as I get older, the facial hair actually could grow if I would just stop <laughs> waxing. Oh, <God. laughs> 
<laughs> you come as the bearded lady. Hey guys, what's I up? I don't have that much. You know. I think you should go out and buy like one of those fake beards and glue it on when you show up at one of these things. When Say, we, I just wanted to fit in, guys. Well, when Patty and I did a um, did the panel with those the men that I just mentioned and Patrick, also from Ghost Mind, Patty uh-huh. and I wore fake mustaches because we felt like we needed to. <laughs> I think I remember seeing that picture with you guys. Like they look like Mario mustaches. They were, yeah, they were porn stashes. They were pretty awesome, huh? <laughs> yes, I remember seeing that picture now. Yes, they were beautiful. <laughs> they were full fledged mustaches. Right, exactly. We were magnificent. That was awesome. I know. So, Chuck, what do you have coming up on your show? Uh, you know, nothing really. No, I'm just All kidding. All right. Uh, you know, that's it. Bye. Um. Yeah, no, I have uh, Robert Veach, actually, who is from V Paranormal. And it's funny because I you know, wanted to get him on the show because he does a lot of the, uh, um, when, when we're talking about equipment, he, he likes to take equipment way beyond what it's made for. And, mm. like, because he's an engineer, he does animatronics, this kind of stuff. And so he, like, takes it to a whole new realm and, and, and shows you different things that you can use the equipment for by adapting it. He, he, he adapts it and stuff, and it's really interesting. So I'm like, you know, i got to talk to this guy because I've seen it like, on YouTube and stuff. So I find out he lives at one town over from me. Oh. It's like, really? Where the heck have I been all my life? Well, that's what happened with you and your bromance, Rick, too. Now, you're not going to cheat on Rick and have a new bromance with this guy, are you? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Rick's my number one. Though I do have a new best friend in uh, in uh, Canada now. You do? Yeah, her name's Cal. She's really cool. She's a psychic also. Um, she does. She's going to be on my show, actually. Um, what is it? Is it next month? Yeah, next month she's going to be on my show, and she does like tarot, tarot cards and all that kind of stuff. And I guess her—I don't know if it's her sister that's a Reiki master. Um, so you know, uh, you guys would probably have a lot in common. We probably um, would, yes. Yeah. So yeah. that's probably why you love her is because she reminds yeah. you of me. Because I love all you guys that do that. I stuff. know we're pretty awesome. It's crazy. It's like before I'd be like, well, you know, psychics, whatever. And now I'm like, I love them all. Psychics tend to be pretty nice people. Yeah, you're really cool people, and you're just, you know, <laughs> you know. A few of us are raging bitches, but for well, the most you know, part, we try to be nice people. Yeah, you're not dropping the F-bomb, you're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so I had this thing come up. I was actually talking to you a little bit about it. I told you that I got a subpoena yes. for an old case that I was um, an old right. case that I was on, and I was trying to get out of it, and I was, uh, it was an old case I was on as a, a guardian ad litem. And um, I was trying to get out of it because I don't really remember much about the case because it's been years now. And I don't have anything that I could impart. And so I was talking to the gal at the Guardian of Lightham office and I was being very firm. I wasn't being bitchy, but I was being firm. Right. And um, I said, (laughs) halfway through as I'm kind of taking this very firm stance, I said to her, oh, my God, I'm just being so mean to you and I don't mean to. And she just started laughing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, uh, you felt you were giving more meanness than she felt she was getting then, cause she's i think so you know? yeah. yeah she thought it was actually hilarious because i did i like ha- i mean in the middle of this well i need you to do this and i you know i vol- this was a volunteer position and i really need the support from this office and i just stopped and was like oh my god i'm being so mean <laughs> karen you big bully I know, it's like when I called you Chuckles the Clown last week. I felt so bad. Not bad enough to not do it again. Yeah, I know. But I felt bad. (laughs) You felt bad for like a second, then you did it again, (laughs) and then a second, and then you did it again. (laughs) 
I know, but I, I haven't done it this week. No, thank you. I appreciate You're welcome. it. You're See, welcome. you know, I have to explain. The that word um, Which one, clown or I, chuckles? Chuckles. Uh-huh. I, I, I always call it a clown. That's okay. Um, but the word chuckles, um, yeah. I don't make you feel bad. But when I was a, when I was younger, I was bullied quite a lot oh. because I was very small. I was a very small, skinny guy, oh. and that was the name they used to call me to oh. to pick on me. And so, like, if people oh. at work, if people at work call me that, I turn around and give them the look like I'm about to rip your head off, and then they don't oh. ever say it again. But I'm because, a horrible, horrible no, no, person. Because I, because I love you. I didn't want to like, like go, Karen. You know what I mean? But I'm like, okay, I'll just go with it. I'll just. And I told the guys at work, I go, yeah, Karen was calling me chuckles, and they're like, oh, and you didn't like start yelling. And I go, no, I was trying to be nice. I didn't want to like yell at her. She oh, now I'll never do it again. Now I feel like oh. a horrible, horrible person. <laughs> no, 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 no. You didn't know. I'll it's go back okay. to Chucky e. G. Okay. I'm okay. a nicknamer. You know. I'm a nicknamer. I know. Everybody so I know I. has nicknames. So. so I don't have a nickname for you though yet. Well, that's okay. I nobody ever gives me my nickname used to be Care Bear. That was about it. Nobody ever gives me nicknames. Apparently I'm frightening. Cheryl wants to know what her nickname is. I can't <laughs> tell you. Um so on July twenty fourth, which is I think next week, yeah. uh, Trish Lesage is an energy healer Ooh. of the Violet Flame and the author of how to Achieve Fifth Dimension Consciousness and Other Titles. And I am totally looking forward to that. Cheryl says her family used to call her Share Bear. There you go, Care Bear and Share Bear. Share Bear. Share Bear. It's going to call you F-Bomber. I don't know. I'm going to have to come up with... A, I've never given Cheryl a nickname. I don't know why. Neither have I. Oh, yeah, I, I gave her Tech Girl. Oh, see, there you go. Tech Girl. Well, you- anyway, so... um. Cheryl, is there anything else that we need to Kfra? <laughs> That's right. You know what, Cheryl? Cheryl says she's going to call me Kfra. Actually, it's Kfraj, and it's like a rod. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say anything. My Twitter is actually author Kfraz. 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 Yeah. I like that. I like that. Yeah, author Kfraz is actually my Twitter handle. What's so up, there K-Fraz? you go. There you go. Now we have one. K-Fraz. There you What's go. Up? See, Cheryl, she didn't know that. That's because she doesn't follow me on Twitter oh because God. pretty much nobody does. Did you see what Chad just put in chat room? His dad used to. Can I say this? His dad used to call. He's. He says my dad used to call me shithead. You know what's really funny is my sister's husband when they were first dating that was his nickname for her was shithead. <laughs> Isn't that romantic? <laughs> yeah. So I love you, shithead. I love you too. I know, I know. All right, well, I am a nicknamer, so now I'm going to have to come up with something for Cheryl. Okay. Because that's what I do. Um, Anywho, so stick around, guys, because coming up next, if you're not tired of him yet, you would, and who would be, (laughs) because he's fantastic, Chucky G and um, In the Dark Radio. That's right, and since Cheryl's already online, there should be no technical difficulties. Yay! Right, so here's what I want to do. I want to say thank you to you, Chucky G, for sitting in for Rick this evening. I always love it when you do the show with me. You always just make it so easy. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah, and also thank you to Jay Verberg. Yes, he was awesome. That dude is, I, I like his mustache, I like his hat, I love everything about him. And I just really like the way that he thinks about the paranormal. You can tell he's a guy who thinks about it a lot. And mm-hmm. and he's not going for the easy answers, and that makes me happy. Yep. Happy, awesome. happy, happy. All right, so anything else? 
Yeah, that's all I can think of. All right, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to sign off, guys. Stick around for In the Dark Radio with Chucky G next. It's Paranormal Underground Radio on Hazy Radio Network. We will be back next week, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. Other times in the flyover states, you guys have a great evening. Good night. Thanks, Karen. Good night. If you'd like to be a guest on Paranormal Underground Radio, email editor at paranormalunderground.net. Until next time, keep exploring the unexplained at ParanormalUnderground.net. Please join us next week for Paranormal Underground Radio on the Hazy Radio Network.